Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer. Because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Ryan Gable, and this is the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on the Fringe FM. 
If you'd like to contact the broadcast, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. And check out our website at www.thesecretteachings.info where you'll find our entire show archive with great guests and timeless subjects. You can subscribe to that archive to get access to every broadcast. There's also a free archive on the website and a bunch of other radio shows and some video presentations all at thesecretteachings.info. For most of you, maybe not for all, but today or yesterday was May Day, the 1st of May, the culmination of the Walpurgis celebration or what has come to be known as Beltane. And if you listen to the secret teachings before, you know that every year throughout the witch's calendar, throughout the will of the year, we have a conversation typically relating to current events, something that's somewhat topical. And we talk about the various holidays or what are actually holy days from the ancient world to the modern world, whether those are holidays or holy days that have been held in places like the East or in places like the West because there are many traditions that come out of Europe that are obviously much different than traditions that come out of places like China. For example, the Hungry Ghost Festival of China is very, very similar, or Asian culture in general, it's not just China, is very similar to our Halloween, but it's celebrated at a a different time, and it's celebrated a little bit differently. Although, when you look at the different holidays or holy days, whether it's the summer solstice, the winter solstice, the spring equinox, or the fall equinox, which creates the cross from Yule to Letha and from Mabon to Ostara, which is Easter, and then in between you have the midpoints between those sabbats, as the witches call them, the sabbats, the holy days, and those sabbats are in bulk, the midpoint between the winter solstice and the spring equinox, Yule and Ostara. Then you have Beltane, the midpoint between the spring equinox, Ostara, and the summer solstice, Letha. And then the wheel continues to turn, the midpoint between Letha, the summer solstice, and Mabon, the fall equinox, is Luknasad. And then from Mabon, the fall equinox, until Yule, again like the Yule log, Yuletide Carol, that is the winter solstice. You have Samhain, otherwise pronounced as Samhain. And each of these days, ultimately, at its core, is a representation through the festivals, through the celebrations, through the food, through the dancing of fertility and of the worshiping, the honoring, the veneration of nature and the sun in particular, because without the sunlight, without the light, and without the warmth, life would be non-existent. Life would be very hell-like, as hell is often and more traditionally described as being cold and dark. So the sun saves us every morning. The sun, through a larger cycle, saves us every year when the sun is reborn, and then the sun anthropomorphized as a man as the wheel turns from Imbolc to Ostara to Beltane, the sun becomes stronger and stronger and stronger until Letha, where the days 
are very long in the northern hemisphere and very powerful. The sun is very powerful. The heat is very intense. And that's why we have Letha, the summer solstice, the worship, if you will, the veneration, the remembrance of the power of the sun. But before we can get to the power of the sun, we have to light the fire in order to have the sun in a position where the sun is going to be very radiant. So symbolically working with the laws and the mechanisms of nature in order to mimic those and become in tune with them, as many people who consider themselves pagans or of earth-based religion, pagan means religion of the country people, what they, would, what they would do is they would light big bonfires, and they would do this in the winter. It's the same exact type of celebration from the winter solstice to the summer solstice because in the winter, it's cold and it's dark. So you'd light a fire to ward off evil, to ward off darkness, to ward off the cold. Very similar to if you rewind a few months before Yule, you have Samhain or Samhain, Halloween, and that's when... Time is becoming darker, time is becoming colder, and death is upon the earth. This is the arrival of the pale horse, and the rider of that pale horse is death. Death to the world. All things die. And for Samhain, we would have fires, or what most of us in North America at least and, and I guess it's it's spread around the world, but we know as the, you know the Jack O' Lantern, Jack O' Lantern, Jack's Lantern, the story of Stingy Jack who made a deal with the devil, and Stingy Jack and the Jack O' Lantern have become a staple of Halloween celebrations. But the Jack O' Lantern was not always the staple, because in parts of uh, the UK and parts of Europe and other parts of the world, they would use uh, root vegetables or whatever was available. Basically, they would create a lantern. It doesn't matter what it's made out of. They would create a lantern, kind of like the hermit tarot card, to guide their way home in the darkness. And in some ways this was literal, in some ways it was symbolic. Uh, Much like the lighting of a fire is literal, but it's also symbolic because it might light up you know, the field where you're having this bonfire and you're dancing and drinking and eating and being merry, or in some cases it's 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 more of like an orgy, a, a fertility ritual, which it is. Some of it's, again, literal, some of it's more symbolic, but the fire represents the burning of the sun and the bringing of the sun to its full power on Letha. At least we do that in Beltane. But for Samhain, when we're falling into darkness, this is meant to hopefully protect the sun from dying. But the sun ultimately dies anyway, having been bit by the backbiter Scorpio, in astrological terms, and therefore the sun dies, and then the sun is resurrected. The sun is, as most of you know, born again. And this is something that Christians, they say they're born-again Christians. They've been born again, born in the image of God or the image of Christ. They become sons of God, like Jesus is the Son of God. We all become sons of God when we take that pledge. But that pledge, in a Christian sense, is not obviously Christian in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Well, perhaps in some shapes, in some forms, but not really in any way, because the idea of being a son of God means you've moved through a transformative alchemical process by which you understand the nature of life and death, you understand the fragility of life, 
you worship or honor life, and you understand that death is not the end, and then you become resurrected. You become born again as a son, an S-U-N, of God. In other words, you become an extension. You are an extension of God, but you become a vibrant extension of God, and you are reborn. Just like when we die, it is really a spiritual birth, and those attempting to maintain physical, eternal life in the material world will only find disappointment and horror and torture and pain and suffering because to extend a physical, material world indefinitely is to extend, we we call it life, but to extend our spiritual death indefinitely from the other side of the veil, which is lifted during times like Samhain. Now, if you look at this from less than a religious uh, perspective, let's say, it's not so much about the wheel of the year and the witch's calendar. A lot of people think, well, that's witchcraft, that's evil, that's satanic, that's the devil, that's demonic. Well, we all celebrate these festivals and these traditions. And whether you're Christian, you know, even even you know, people that might consider themselves uh, non-religious, they celebrate these festivals. And I think a lot of them do that because they think that these are satanic festivals. If they're atheists or if they are Satanists, they think it's kind of fun and they think it's kind of cute. And they take they take the the um, content of that festival at, to the extreme and believe that it's all about just you know raw sex with no purpose and. See, the fertility rituals were about sex with a purpose, but to strip the soul out of it means it's sex without a purpose. It means it's, in a sense, murder without a purpose. It's ritual without a purpose, or the purpose, at least, is to cause harm. And that was not the original version. That was not the original intent of these festivals. These festivals were meant to become more in tune with the cycles of nature, particularly the cycles of the seasons, the four seasons, like the four horses of the apocalypse, and primarily the sun, in order to, and at at one point in the past, I'm sure this was literal, but in order to hopefully, by your actions, keep the sun from dying, keep the sun bright, keep the sun lighting the world, keep the world warm, keep that beautiful solar disk shining in the sky so that it does not sink into the tomb of the earth, so that it is not entombed, and so that we do not have several days, several weeks, several months of darkness and cold where everything dies. But that is an inevitability, and understanding that, I think, later became the recognition and the celebration of what we consider to be something like Beltane or Halloween or Easter. It was simply the recognition of the cycles of nature, the acknowledgement of the power of nature and the inevitability of these cycles that you, I, and others are not able to control. We are a part of them, and just like life, life will come to an end. We sacrifice ourselves during life in order to become born again in the same way that Jesus sacrificed himself and brought salvation to the world. Of course, the sun, astrologically, astronomically speaking, and theologically speaking, to some degree, the sun brings us salvation each time that it rises. Now, if you're come, kind of becoming in tune with this kind of stuff, you can recognize that there are obvious uh, similar patterns to the ways in which human beings have these kinds of, of celebrations. Um, and you understand the history looking at it in the present, because when you have a Halloween celebration or an Easter celebration, we're not celebrating the festival for the same reason. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, we're 
we're, we're from a Christian point of view, Christians are like, well, when others celebrate this kind of thing, they, 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 you know, they, they make it satanic or they make it pagan and that's evil. Well, the origins were probably more superstitious, and then they became more about a, a, a kind of like a religious, theological, um, earth-based uh, philosophy. And now, as human beings have, through scientific observation, which is even what early mythology was, begun to understand more the cycles of nature and quote-unquote predicting the weather and even controlling the weather, now that we have a better understanding of how things work, we don't celebrate them for superstitious reasons, we don't celebrate them for even spiritual reasons, we celebrate them for more material reasons. And that's not even a criticism of like, well, Christmas is a material holiday and you know Halloween's become a material holiday and Easter. It's just, it's a critique and an observation more than anything of the evolution of these festivals and these traditions because that's what a superstition ultimately is. If you define the word, superstition means something that's left over, something that comes from somewhere else. So the things that we celebrate today are absolutely, whether it's Christmas, whether you're a Christian, you, you have a cake for Jesus, or you're a pagan and you celebrate the rising of the sun on December 25th, the rebirth of the sun, all of these things are representative of our evolutionary understanding and our philosophical understanding, as evolutionary it includes philosophy, our understanding of the cycles of nature are becoming more in tune with them, and as time goes on, we deviate from the origin, and we have these superstitions, which are remnants of the past, that we hold on to today because we see them as, as I think, subconsciously more than anything, we see them as sacred. And others might take advantage of them to sell products, and we spend hundreds of millions of dollars on Christmas and Easter and Halloween, and, and we, we, we tend to, you know, dismiss or not even consider or think about the other subots like Imbolc or Letha or Luknasad or Maybon, or as we are experiencing at the moment, we are moving through the Beltane festival, which for some is a three-day festival. For others, it's a, it's a two-week festival. For some, it's 13 days. And for some, it's, it's merely April 30th, Walpurgis, and then May 1st, May Day, we have the Maypole, and we have movement into, from the sun, we have movement into the summer solstice when the sun is powerful, the sun is strong, the sun is warm, the sun is a radiant, you know, youth becoming an adult with long hair like Samson. And the rays of the sun, or gives it its power, right? The rays of the sun, like the corona of the sun, the crown of thorns, like Samson, when he gets his hair cut, he loses his strength. And so when the sun begins to lose its shine, it loses its strength, like Samson, and it dies, and then is reborn again. That whole mythology, the whole theology, all the iconography, all of the history, all the mythology, it comes together if we unite it, and it makes a lot more sense, at least in my view, what we're actually looking at, what we're experiencing, and what life ultimately is is all about. So a couple of days ago, for some, they started celebrating, uh, you know, the Walpurgis Festival. Uh the tradition, though, is Walpurgis Night. It's a holiday celebrated on April 30th, and that's mostly in Northern Europe, parts of you know Scandinavian countries, and now we do it in, in North America. Uh, you know, many people would have things that were you know traditions that were very similar to Christmas. They'd, they'd hang foliage, they'd hang plants in their house, uh, and that was meant to ward off evil spirits, just like a jack o' lantern wards off cold and dark i.e. evil, Christmas lights, Yule logs ward off cold, dark, i.e. evil, 
And uh, people would also leave out pieces of bread with uh, things like they'd put honey or butter, you know, something on them. And this would be offered to uh, phantom creatures, you, you, traditionally phantom like dogs, like the black dogs at the crossroads with Hecate. And these, um, these uh, phantoms, these spirits, very similar to Halloween, we leave food out to appease the evil spirits so they don't vandalize our home. Or we leave food out in order to welcome our relatives, to welcome people that, that we do know, people that we are, we are acquainted with, and to welcome them back into the physical world so we can have communion with them. So we eat and we drink with them. We have communion. We commune with our, with our relatives, people who have passed on, or with our friends, loved ones, etc., etc. So we'd wear clothing that would welcome them or clothing that would ward off the evil, animal heads and things like that which, of course, can be perverted into, you know, base animal sexuality with no purpose, and no purpose includes, you know, procreation, which is not the point of these festivals. It's kind of weird because I, I, used, to, I used to visit this uh, cafe in Orlando, uh, Orlando, Florida, and I go to this cafe, and there'd be these people there, and uh, I started to become kind of friends with them, and a lot of them considered themselves to be, like, witches or something, and they invited me to, like, a Beltane festival, but it was, like, it was super sexual, I, I didn't go to it. I don't think people were having an orgy in the park, but it was like very sexual. People got like half naked or naked, which is fine, which is, you know, traditionally what people probably did. But I think from what I understood when I listened to people today talk about it, it's like, well, I just, it's a sex festival. I can just have sex. It's like, well, that wasn't really the purpose of the original festival. It was about literally getting pregnant. It was about literal procreation, which also like the, fires, which represent the sun and the micro to the macrocosm, pregnancy represents, in, in terms of these festivals, it represents the pregnancy of the earth. And then nine months later, we have the birthing of crops and then the cutting down of the crops with the scythe of Saturn, which brings us into the death of all things, the death, which we know as winter, which we know as Christmas, Yule, which we know as the winter solstice. It's a large, large cycle. So while Purgus Night, May Day, is very similar to Halloween with the leaving of food out, it's very similar to Halloween in terms of uh, the way that people, and Christmas, the way that people bring foliage into their house, the way that they dress. Um, in places like uh, Finland, Finland has their own version of, of Walpurgis Night. It's called Vapu, V-A-P-P-U. It's one of the country's most important holidays. I think we might have some listeners in Finland. If you are listening in Finland, I'd like to know if maybe you... If you celebrate Vapu or wherever you're listening, if you, I'm sure everybody, no matter where they are, you all have your own version of Beltane because people, regardless of where they were, I mean, obviously, if you were in the Northern Hemisphere where most people lived, uh, historically, this is the same kind of observation of nature that you're going to make, whether you're, you know, Native American before America was discovered, quote unquote, or you're in Europe or you're in, you know, you're in some part of Asia. It's the same kind of recognition of, of nature. Now, the origins of Beltane, the origins of May Day, specifically, though, are the ones that we understand and the ones that we know are specifically related to the Celts of the British Isles. And this was their most important day of the year, May 1st. This is when the Beltane Festival was actually held, um, or a May Day Festival, as opposed to being called Beltane or Beltane. Some pronounce it Beltane. And basically, the May Day Festival was thought to be a time when the year was divided in half between light and darkness. So fire was one of the main rituals of the festival, which was helping to celebrate the return of life 
and fertility to the world, which would culminate in Letha, the summer solstice, which would take place a few weeks later. Now, the Romans, when they conquered the British Isles, they brought with them a different kind of celebration, a five-day celebration called Floralia, like flower, flora, floral, Floralia, which was devoted to the worship of the goddess Flora, which is where we get the word flower. So it was about flowers, kind of more along the lines of a spring festival, but it still celebrated the bringing of life back to the world and the culmination in all of these rituals in the birth of the strong, powerful, warm, dominant sun on Letha, the summer solstice. And it's usually a, a, a very similar celebration with fire and dancing and food. And, you know, this is how humans celebrate things. But more importantly, it was a celebration of fertility. And that's why in all of these fertility rituals, there are images and there are things that represent the phallus and the yoni. And that would include on May Day, the famous, in some cases, the infamous May Pole, not the Festivus Pole, from Seinfeld, but the maypole, the maypole, which is male fertility. And of course, then you'd have baskets and wreaths, which symbol up uh, and flowers as well. Flora, the, the Roman goddess, wreaths and flowers and baskets that represented female fertility. And all of this comes together. All this culminates on May 1st, a celebration of the unification, the coming together, a, a unification of male and female and the celebration of fire as the wheel turns, the wheel burns, fire, light, warmth, overtaking the cold darkness of the earth. Light overcoming dark, good overcoming bad. That is the Beltane Festival and May Day. But there's a lot more going on right now. There's a lot more happening in the world Mid-April is a very, very scary and dangerous historical time. Mid-April includes some of the most historic, well-known events. It also includes the Jewish Passover, which is part of the story of Exodus and the plagues of Egypt. We've seen a lot of those plagues seemingly simultaneously take place around the world. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about that, including... The three great historical plagues in the 5th century, the 6th century, and the 14th century, there's another one in the 17th century, of what are collectively referred to as the Black Death, and how those plagues began. Some are beginning to question the origin of those plagues, including if it was caused by a bacteria, and whether or not it was actually caused by some form of pathogenic-like substance, some kind of entity, some kind of toxic fume gas from a comet, all of which were seen prior to these major outbreaks, asteroids, something else that we've seen a lot of recently, and the return of what they call in the Colburn Bible, the Destroyer. We're going to talk about all of that tonight right here on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable www.thesecretteachings.info, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings, rdgable at yahoo.com. Everything we just talked about in the first segment, it's in my book, Occult Arcana, which you can find on the website or get a free copy when you subscribe to the archive today. It supports you, the show, and the network, The Fringe FM. Stay with us. There's a lot more to come. 
right here on The Secret Teachings. Get a pen, get a piece of paper, take some notes. I'm taking notes as I talk. There's so much to there's so much to discuss, so much to get into. I, I love this history. I love this mythology. I love this symbolism and the way that it all comes together. And I just want to share that with you tonight on our Beltane May Day show. We'll be back after break. Don't go anywhere. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info thesecretteachings.info or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com You are listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable To contact Ryan email rdgable at yahoo.com If you're interested in all things that include the occult From witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports the secret teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming, five nights a week. Always remember, the Fringe FM is for you, the listener. And we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm, call the station at 501-777-5631, or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM.
Gentlemen, thank you so much for the great work that you guys are doing. Uh, phenomenal show, for phenomenal interview, phenomenal questions. And uh, I'd be willing to come back at any time and uh, explore other topics for discussion. So thank you for having me on today. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio from WhatOnEarthIsHappening.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact us, the email rdgable at yahoo.com. I try to respond back to all of those emails in a timely manner. If you have any questions, comments, if you'd like to share something with me, rdgable at yahoo.com. Or check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. Or type in thesecretteachings.info. To find the website where you'll also find our entire show archive and all of my books and our top news and a lot more. It's all on the website. I know a lot of times people like to see behind the scenes stuff. I've got a page there with a bunch of uh, BTS for the secret teachings over the years, photographs and pictures of studios and things like that. It's all on the website. You can browse through it. The only thing that is not free is most of the archive. It's only 35 bucks for a one-year subscription and a book right now at www.thesecretteachings.info. My one book, Occult Arcana, I was thinking this the other day. I, I actually gave someone a copy of my book, Food Philosophy, and they flipped through it and they saw at the end, they said, hey, there's something in here about climate change. And I said, yeah, um, pretty interesting. I, di- I didn't know what they thought about that, but it's a pretty interesting little section I wrote because it relates to food and food production and things like that. And uh, when I'm talking about climate change, I'm talking about the climate hoax and the usage of manipulative tactics in order to confuse and trick people and coerce people into believing some some new paradigm, some new reality, framing the narrative in a way where people believe something contrary to what is true. And then I realized, because they asked me, why is that in the book? And I said, well, it also kind of ties into my book, The Technological Elixir. And uh, I just said that out of nowhere. It's like it came out of my subconscious because I really did not think... My book, Food Philosophy, which ended with climate change, my technological book, my technological elixir book, actually starts with climate change and then takes us through the the anti-human agenda into the depths of technology in like 500 pages. It's a big book. So those two books were linked together. And uh, sometimes I get, I'm critical of myself, of writing and editing and all of that. And even I listen to the show sometimes, I'm pretty critical of myself. I think everybody is critical of themselves. You don't want to hear your voice. Radio hosts are the same way. I don't want to hear my hear my voice most of the time either. But when I go back and I read some of the things I've written, like I want to change them. Like ah, I, I think that could be said better. Uh, you know, I, I think that could be written better. I think they could be expressed better. But the one thing that I don't feel like that about, except for a few grammatical errors, I could probably always adjust, is my book Occult Arcana. And in that book is a section on holidays or holy days. I actually wanted to write a whole book about this, and uh, I ended up just including it in the Occult Arcana book, which is 7 by 9 It's like, what is it, 500-something pages, too? It's a massive, massive book. 
But when I go back and I look at that, I'm thinking like how I, I really people ask me, how did you write that? I, I don't know how I wrote that book, to be honest with you. There's so much information in that book. And I wrote that thing in four months and then maybe like two months of revisions and edits. So that's like a half a year, which is very short to write a book. I feel like I kind of maybe I felt I feel like I channeled it or something. I, I don't know. It's a lot of information. And a lot of it's very um, original in terms of how it's presented and how it's also written in kind of like an old-fashioned an old fashioned way, something that you'd read in like a grimoire, or, you know, some book from the early 20th century, late 19th century. I kind of wrote it in that way. There's a whole section in it, though, on holidays, on holy days and things like that. And I talk about Beltane in a very brief context, a very brief section, Um because we've we've discussed here in this show before the what what are called the burning times, and we look at the will of the year as this transitional period of a baby that becomes a child that becomes a teenager that becomes a man, grows into old age and then dies. It's very similar to the story of um, Samson because Samson is 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 essentially uh, an archetype of the sun. When Samson has long flowing locks of hair, it gives him power and strength or it signifies his power and strength. When he gets his hair cut, he loses that power and strength. But when the sun loses its corona, the sun loses its power and strength, becomes an old man, and then dies. And so the power, the macrocosm of the sun, and the microcosm of the fire, because fire is fire, whether it's the sun or it's incense. And so we use those four elements in, in magic and use those four elements in ritual in order to invoke those energies. If you have incense, you have fire, you have air, maybe you have a bowl of water for water, and then for earth, you might have some dirt, or perhaps depending on what the incense is made out of, you could have earth, fire, and air all in one, and then you could have a cup of water if you have a, you know, a, a, a ritual table, if you have a little kind of uh, uh, ritual set up, a little tiny, you know, desk or a little uh, uh, set up to the side of your bed or I don't know people have their have their little shrines or whatever in different ways in different forms I kind of move mine around a little bit but fire is the same so when you light a small fire it's the same fire same element as the sun therefore when we light the fires of Beltane the midpoint between the summer solstice Letha and the spring Equinox, Ostara, Easter, we are hopefully supporting the sun in its progress to become a full-grown adult, to become powerful, to become strong. And so fire is a very common theme all throughout the turning of the wheel of the year. So is leaving out food for phantoms, for spirits, whether that's Halloween or Walpurgis night, which is the night before May Day, May 1st. April 30th, Walpurgis Night. The Christians turned Walpurgis into a saint. They call her Saint Walpurgis. In places like Finland, they have their own version of Walpurgis. It's called Vapu, and that's one of the country's most important holidays. So whether it's leaving out pieces of bread to appease evil spirits or to welcome family members and relatives and loved ones, or it's dressing a certain way on Halloween, or it's bringing foliage into the home, that's something also done not just on Christmas, with mistletoe and holly and evergreen trees, a very Germanic tradition. But this is also something that's done on Walpurgis or Vapu or 
whatever else you choose to call it, on May Day. Some call it a May Day celebration. Some call it Walpurgis. Some call it Walpurgis. It's Walpurgis Nacht, Nacht in German, Walpurgis Night. Some it's, for some, it's a three-day festival. For others, it goes back from April 20th to May 2nd, which is the Roman version, because when the Romans conquered the British Isles, they brought a five-day celebration known as Floralia, which is based on the worship of the goddess of flowers, Flora. And flowers, baskets, these are all very uh, flowers in baskets, being collected in baskets. It's representative, of course, of the spring. And if you saw that movie Midsummer, which is really kind of disturbing, uh, I thought it was kind of disturbing, the imagery and the sex scene and all that. But that whole that whole movie was based on the midsummer, the solstice, the longest uh, lit day of the year. And in that movie, the all the girls had flowers and wreaths and baskets, and they danced around the maypole. Well, the maypole is a symbol of male fertility. The baskets, the wreaths, symbolize female fertility. The whole thing is a fertility ritual. And I feel that. There are various reasons why, I know there are various reasons why people celebrate something like this or don't. Some don't because they think it's satanic, which is very strange to me. Some celebrate it because they think that they're witches, and I guess maybe if they celebrate it, that makes them a witch. I don't know. Others, I've met people, it's a very small group of people, I think, but I've met people that are kind of like, you know, they're kind of like, hippie slash witchy, not like witches, but like witchy shaman people. The people that think if they have crystals, they somehow have tapped into another universe or something, and they they just want to use the celebration to have sex with no purpose, that's perversion because the original celebration was a fertility ritual to get pregnant and to impregnate both the woman, but to also impregnate Mother Earth, the ultimate woman, the Earth, so that we have nine months later the harvest. Um, I mean, obviously that timeline varies because all of these are fertility festivals, but it all has to do with the celebration of the sun and the bringing of life back to the world, which is what Imbolc is, the end or the signaling of the end. Imbolc is February 2nd, the signaling of the end of Yule, the winter solstice, the signaling of the end of winter and the coming of spring, which is the conquering of the darkness and the and the cold by not a jack-o'-lantern or Christmas lights or a Yule log, but by the white horse that comes after the pale horse, the white horse, the red horse, summer, midsummer, Letha, and then the black horse, fall, we fall, and then pale horse, all things die. So traditionally, witches would hold a great Sabbath every seven years, and all the local covens would congregate. Otherwise, there were major and minor observances of the turning of the wheel. And these major and minor observances of the turning of the wheel include the solstices, the equinoxes, and the midpoints in between. These festivals were held in the spring. So May Eve, April 30th, called Rudmas, or Rude Day, R-O-O-D, in Britain, and Walpurgis, Walpurgis Nacht, Walpurgis Night in Germany. In the autumn, we had November Eve, October 31st, called in Britain All Hallow Eve, we know as Halloween. And between these came the winter, which was Condomas, February 2nd, and in the summer, the Yule of August, 
August 1st, called Lamas in Britain. The Festival of the Solstices were also celebrated Beltane at Midsummer and Yule at Midwinter. So April as a month has a long, long history of burning and a long history of bloodshed and a long history. The whole, whole calendar, of course, does. The whole world does. But April in particular has a long history of very significant historical events that really blow the mind when you think about what happens during this time of the year, very similar to the Ides of March, the midpoint of March. Now, if we go back into the history of April, April was associated with Venus by the Romans, and they referred to April as Mensis Veneris, instead of its proper Latin name, Aprilis. Aprilis, like April, but Aprilis. This month houses the holy day of Beltane. It's a very holy day on April 30th. It's also known as, well, Pergus Night. It's a multi-day festival for most, ending on May 1st. Now, this deity, whether it's St. Walperga, this entity, this energy, more specifically what it represents, St. Walperga or Venus is a very powerful deity, a very powerful goddess all across Europe, especially in Germany, where she's known as the May Queen. So when little girls will... uh, maybe not so little, but when younger girls are selected as the May Queen, just like in the movie Midsummer, that's where it comes from. They are a physical representation of the goddess. Now, there are Teutonic German myths and others from around the world that refer to the May Queen in the typical fashion of what most environmentalists, maybe, or hippies or New Age people would refer to the Earth as Mother Earth or the Earth Mother otherwise known as all of the various representations of the goddess, the female energy, Isis, Mary, Sibyl, Diana, Aphrodite, Ray, Ishtar, Demeter, and the Roman Venus, for which April is associated. The holy day of May Day, the holy day of of, of April, essentially begins around mid-April and it lasts until the end of the month. This is more of the Roman festival, the Roman celebration, but the festival of Walpurgis specifically is on April 30th. Now, before this, before the middle of the month, but coming to the middle of the month is the Jewish Passover and the Exodus story, right? believe Passover is what, April 8th through April 16th. It's the Jewish Passover, the story of Exodus. Well, If you think about the history of April, we have a lot of really interesting historical events. From the assassination of Abraham Lincoln to the Virginia Tech shooting, the Boston Marathon bombing, the first air raid of World War II, the infamous story at the compound of Waco, Texas, the Battle of Lexington Concord that made the Revolutionary War inevitable, considered the bloodiest battle, one of the bloodiest battles. We had the Oklahoma City bombing. We had, in the month of April, over a period of 100-plus years, riots, some of you might remember this, the riots that broke out in Baltimore many years ago, Well, they're not recent. They go back to the 1860s, and there were other similar riots held in Baltimore, which I found interesting because the name Baltimore 
and it's in Maryland. Queen Mary Ball is Baltane or Beltane. Mary is Ma, the mother, Mother Earth. The Baltane Festival, which comprises both the male and the female, just in terms not of that particular event, but in terms of the names of those places, everything ultimately can be traced back to an original source. We've had other things like Columbine. We had other things like the death of both Benito Mussolini and Adolf Hitler. Also, George Washington became the first president of the United States on April 30th. Uh, The Church of Satan was established. The Bavarian Illuminati was spawned. The list goes on and on and on, from the death of Osama bin Laden to the, uh, the, the mission accomplished speech aboard the U.S. Abraham Lincoln, who was assassinated in mid-April, April 14th of 1865. So this is a long list of, of very historical and very important dates dealing with assassinations, bloodshed, war, pain, suffering, etc. You could say, well, all of, all of history is, all, all, all of the year is. Sure, but there are certain times of the year when these events are intensified. And those times when it's intensified, it's kind of like the, a, a diagram of, of the theory of the law of, of relativity where they show you like the fabric of space-time and they show you that you put a ball on that blanket and it pulls things towards it. And so depending on if you're further away or you're closer to that center of gravity, time moves differently, even if it's indiscernible. And that's kind of like this timeline, which may be nonlinear. It may filter into and out of other timelines, other dimensions. We talked about that on Tuesday's show this week. And if you think of a timeline as being nonlinear, kind of almost like a Mobius strip, you think about the different dates and how we break apart the timeline in the same way we break apart the calendar, different periods of time. We try to quantify, we try to understand, we break things down into little segments and then categorize them, catalog them, put labels upon them. And on the timeline, it's kind of like the fabric of space-time, very similar. So we have major events that occur, like the assassination of Julius Caesar, the Ides of March, and that's like putting a big ball on that timeline, and then it pulls other stuff towards it. So when we repeat the cycle, it's pulling energetically events towards that, in this case, the assassination of Julius Caesar. And the more that's pulled towards it, it's like going to a location at a church or a graveyard, which was historically done to communicate with spirits, You perform a ritual over and over again, it breaks down the energy of that area. Or if you go to a battlefield, you know, you can visit battlefields that are very historic, very well known, and and some people can feel the energy, they can feel. Some people can, they claim that they can hear, they can see things, but at least they can feel it, they can feel the energy, something bad happened here, a lot of people died. That's the energetic impression that's made upon the fabric of both space-time and the timeline, or the space-timeline, if you will. In order to understand this, we study the patterns and then we recognize that whether it's the Ides of March, it's Beltane, it's the summer solstice, it is the celebration of Halloween or the winter solstice, Yule, Christmas, 
these are eight specific, significant, and important dates that all weigh down as part of a natural cycle what we perceive to be time, what we perceive to be space-time. And these points within and on the wheel of the year, the the space-time line, if you will, these points are natural points, and the traditions, the festivals that were held, like Beltane or like the winter solstice, were meant to tune oneself with the frequencies of nature. And throughout human history, what has been recorded, the events, the significance of those particular days, people have used those dates in order to carry out, let's say, traditional-like festivals. They've used those dates to also, in a more sinister-like ritual, they've used those dates to carry out atrocities, to murder, to, to kill, to, 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 do, to carry out acts of war, things like this, because the power of that particular time of the year is very, very available, and the veil is thin between the physical and the spiritual. So it's a natural pattern. It's not because Caesar was assassinated that the Ides of March become important, but the Ides of March were always important. The assassination of Caesar just made it more important. And we see every year significant events that transpire around these, these times of the year. It's very important because it's part of the natural cycle, the natural fabric of the space timeline. But it's also something that man creates to amplify those natural things, if that makes any sense. So midpoint of April, we have the the Jewish Passover, and a lot of people probably know the story of Passover and the Exodus, the, the Holy Ghost that comes down from heaven and steals the firstborn or something like that, right? Well, you had the plagues of Egypt as well, the plagues of Egypt. Those plagues included water to blood, frogs, gnats, or lice. The plagues included flies, the lord of the flies, Beelzebub, Beelzebuth, disease livestock, boils, thunder and hail, locusts, darkness, and the death of the firstborn. Now, when people talk, in my opinion, this is how I view things, when people talk about the biblical mark of the beast, and when people talk about things like connecting consciousness to a computer, I always say that there are ways in which this can come about, self-fulfilled prophecy or supernatural prophecy, whatever it might be, that aren't the way that you think that they're going to happen. For example, in terms of the transitioning of man into a computer, we've already begun this transformation by putting our information onto social media. We've created digital avatars of ourselves, and we've allowed artificial intelligence and those that control these systems to create patterns behavioral patterns to track them, to understand them in order to advertise to us and to control our actions through certain stimuli. That's how we upload ourselves into a machine. Someone doesn't knock at the door and say, okay, it's time to upload your brain into a computer, and then you resist or you acquiesce. Mark of the Beast, very similar. Mark of the Beast is you're not able to buy or sell unless you have this mark. Well, this mark doesn't have to be a physical mark. It can simply be the choice over whether or not you choose to you know, wear a mask to the store. And if you don't wear a mask, the store won't let you in. You can't buy without the Mark of the Beast. The Mark of the Beast is an archetype in a way. The Mark of the Beast is a symbol in a way. It can have many different interpretations and meanings. But to be fair, the Microsoft 
company has patented a cryptocurrency system using body-activated data. And the patent number is WO2020. It's 060606. That's the Mark of the Beast as most Christians know it. So there are various versions of the Mark of the Beast, and there are various versions of these other things that we think are coming, but they don't happen the way we think that they're going to happen. Likewise, there are different versions of, uh, you know, the plagues, as in the plagues of Egypt. And the, uh, you know, you watch like the Prince of Egypt, you watch all the plagues. Um, A plague, a series of uh, insects, animals that die, things that cause damage, fire coming down from above. Plagues can come in a variety of forms, and they might come in a way that you don't necessarily understand because we feel as if, whether it's historical or it's in the present day, that maybe in the past it was supernatural. Today that doesn't happen anymore. But things haven't changed since the times of the biblical writings, if many of them are accurate or true to some extent and to some degree. They they are to some degree. I don't see it as the truth, whatever the hell that means. I don't know what that means when people say it's the truth. Uh, just like live your truth. Well, what if your truth is based on fallacies and erroneous information? Then you're living a lie. You're not living. You're not living the truth. But the point is, plagues can occur and do occur in ways that we don't necessarily consider to 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 be part of maybe some larger plan devised by God or some larger punishment. Because we've seen you know rivers turn to blood. Recently, we've seen livestock being killed in mass because of the low demand in meat. We've seen giant, enormous balls of hell in the United States, some of the largest on record. We've seen locusts decimating parts of Africa and other parts, I believe, of the Middle East. They've had problems with locusts. We've seen a lot of these various plagues occurring now in the present day. We've even seen boils. They're saying that if you have COVID-19, you could get boils on your skin. A lot of this is happening. And then we have the tyrannical control of governors in the United States and leaders of other countries that are saying, you can't go outside, you can't leave. And there are others that are saying, no. They're saying, let my people go. Let my people go. Let my people go. Maybe God is releasing the plagues upon the earth. Or maybe it's part of a larger cycle. It's part of some archetype within the 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 construct of of the space timeline and we're experiencing the bible and the truth of the bible over again maybe these are things that always happen and unless we pay attention to them we don't see the significance of them we don't see the meaning behind it and it's paying attention to what's going on and finding meaning that allows our reality to be constructed so that we realize the differences between the equinoxes and the solstices and the midpoints in between and we tune ourselves with the frequencies of nature so that we become more not just in tune but by what that implies and what that means becoming more connected with nature that's what it means to observe and that is also by observation by definition the scientific method science mythology history philosophy 
religion, which means to bind, all of that is science. And we're going to look at more of that when we come back from break here on The Secret Teachings. Science explains the plagues in the Bible and more. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info thesecretteachings.info or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, mythology to alchemy, check out Ryan Gable's book, Occult Arcana with hundreds of beautiful images If you want to look at technology black goo UFOs, and demonic packs made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. And if you want a practical look at food, lifestyle, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, See pictures and order yours today. It supports The Secret Teachings, you, and The Fringe FM. Alex X. Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out and now we're answering. All new live programming five nights a week. Always remember the Fringe FM is for you, the listener, and we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm Call the station at 501-777-5631 or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM. This is John B. Wells of Caravan to Midnight, which you can find at caravantomidnight.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Man, what a wonderful show. It, it was one of the best I've had in a long time. I really appreciate everything, the opportunity to be on your show, but also the competence of you as a interviewer that really helped me but it's a great show and it's it was a tremendous experience 
This is Stephen Myers, author of Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid and the Great Pyramid Prosperity Machine. And you are listening to The Secret Teachings, hosted by Ryan Gable. Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. You can catch the show five nights a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at the same time each night and after the new broadcast. An older episode of The Secret Teachings will air, so you'll get four hours of The Secret Teachings, whether that's early night, U.S. West Coast, late night, into the morning, U.S. East Coast or you're in the UK, Australia, or Japan, all over the world, you can catch The Secret Teachings five nights a week right here on The Fringe FM, thefringe.fm. Check out the website. There are other great shows on The Fringe FM, including Joe Roop on Lighting the Void, which I'm sure most of you know Joe and you know Lighting the Void. That comes on right before The Secret Teachings. Joe puts in a lot of work on The Fringe FM, and even as a radio host, having to put on all the work for my show, I still look at Joe and think, I don't know how he runs a whole radio network, even though he has a lot of help and people that do things with him and for him. So I always have to thank Joe for giving me the ability to do my show and giving me the, the free range to be able to kind of move around and graze on whatever subject and topic I want to whenever I want to. I can honestly say that there's no control or censorship here on the fringe which is something the first time my radio career I've been able to experience, and it feels really great and really freeing. And it allows us to talk about things with no filter that a lot of other radio shows are unable to do. Others are maybe unwilling, but a lot are just unable to do because it might scare away you know, sponsors or it might scare away. Well, we don't have that issue here on The Fringe, and we certainly don't have that issue here on The Secret Teachings. So... I can say things that might be considered a little bit brazen, and that's okay. And whoever it scares away, it scares away. And whoever it attracts, it attracts. I am just giving you free thought, free forum, no notes. This is just the information and the content that I try to prepare for you five nights a week and try to hopefully, I hopefully, I hope rather, that it's informative and that you learn something. Tonight we've talked quite a bit about Beltane and May Day, and I wanted to share something with uh, one segment of listeners who maybe you really enjoy the, uh, the music industry shows we do. Well, you think about Beltane, and what is Beltane? Beltane is, or Beltane is Bell or Ball. It's Baltane. Ball, Bell, it means Lord in Mesopotamian. A lot of people refer to Bell or Baal as one of the most famous demons or gods. Bell, Baal, Baal is one of the first kings of hell in demonology. But the original Baal was not known as Baal. The original Baal was Marduk, the chief god of the city of Babylon and the national god of Babylonia, Marduk. 
Some of you may have heard of Marduk. And Marduk first appears, or Baal first appears, as the god of thunderstorms. Thunderstorms, Baal. Baal is explained his dealings, what he does, what he represents, and his rise to power, having many different attributes and different gods that take his name that fall under his his lineage. He is described in a poem from Mesopotamia known as the Enuma Elish. And that right there is why I refer to the singer, Billie Eilish, as the devil on high, because her name in Mesopotamian that she uses for performance literally means Billy, Belly, Bali, Baal, the first lord of hell, the first king of hell, and Enuma Elish means when on high. So her name literally means the devil on high, and she obviously sings about that in her music. It's no coincidence. So if you understand mythology... I mean, you could look at a standard Encyclopedia Britannica. You understand mythology, history. You don't have to be an expert. I'm not an expert, but if you understand the origin of where things come from, then it makes a lot more sense. You understand, well, Beltane, Baal, it's a fire god. I mean, he rules over hell. At least our perception of hell as being fire and brimstone. Real hell is cold darkness. But in terms of hell and fire, remember Billie Eilish performed several uh, uh, television performances. The one, I think, was at the American Music Awards, the AMAs, where she's got, you know, the, the earth, the world is burning around her and it's supposed to be about climate change, but it has a different meaning if you know what her name means. It's a f- for the first king of hell. If you understand that, it's like the world just opens up understanding of things that just, you don't have to have a background or a degree or some professional study in a particular subject it's what some people call having an open mind or critical thinking and then it's just like you get it you understand it's like oh that makes sense now that's what that means it's multi-level that there's multiple meanings to it it doesn't necessarily mean one thing or another thing there's a lot of meaning behind it likewise there is a tremendous amount of meaning behind Walpurgis night a very traditional holiday throughout the world mostly in the northern hemisphere Northern Europe, parts of North America. We celebrate April 30th as Walpurgis Night or May Day on May 1st. It's a festival that for the Romans took place between April 20th and May 2nd. The rituals of this festival became combined from when the Romans took over the British Isles. There they celebrated this festival as a one or two day festival and it became a lengthier festival dedicated to the worship of the goddess Flora for where we get the word flower. She was the goddess of flowers. And flowers are a very important part of Beltane and a very important part of Easter or Ostara and even Imbolc because as the whole will of the year turns from the summer solstice to the winter solstice and the equinoxes, it's a transition and a transforming of life from birth to death, from young to old. The transition, whether it's anthropomorphizing the sun as a man or as a lion, or it's the sun itself. We have the fire that we burn, the wood that we burn, the fire that that burns, and that fire represents the burning of the sun, so we keep that fire lit to hopefully help support the sun. 
in a symbolic and energetic and spiritual way. And these festivals are about keeping the sun burning, about keeping light in a dark world otherwise, warmth in a cold world otherwise, and therefore the sun gives us life, and therefore these festivals, these traditions, these superstitions, which mean leftover details and uh, elements of previous beliefs, basically traditions, we don't necessarily know why we celebrate them, but they're traditions, and that's why we call them superstitious. We don't know where they came from, but we do it anyway. It's superstitious. So the origin, then, in terms of life, is fertility, keeping the earth fertile, keeping humans fertile. It's what Lupercalia, Valentine's Day is. It's a fertility festival. That's what Beltane is. That's even to a large degree what Samhain is, Samhain. It's a, everything's a fertility festival. The fertility of the sun, the fertility of the earth, the fertility of the female, or fertility of, of people. April is also a time of very historic bloodshed and very, very important historical dates. We went through some of those earlier. And they are kind of like impressions made upon the timeline or the space-time line, if you will. Very much like gravity, things are pulled to these dates because of the natural cycles and because of the things that humans have done by exploiting or using those natural cycles for benevolency and malevolency. One of the significant holidays or holy days as part of the month of April is, of course, Passover. Passover, we think about Passover, we think about plagues, we think about let my people go. Remember watching the Prince of Egypt movie? Well, we have a very similar situation right now around the world where people are locked down, governors, presidents, prime ministers, police, local government officials. Can't leave your house. Don't go anywhere. Don't talk to anybody. Now they're telling you to distance from your own pets. That's a new thing from the Centers for Disease Control. Distance yourself from your pets. It just kind of reminds me of the Exodus story because it's like we have people that are going to government buildings and people that are protesting and saying, let my people go. Let us go back to work. Let my people go. And meanwhile, we have rivers turning to blood in parts of the world. They're saying COVID-19 might actually have newer symptoms we didn't recognize. There's a whole show we could do on that, how fraudulent so much of that is. But they're saying that boils are now, are now one of the symptoms. Um, thunder and hail are, of course, plagues out of Egypt. Who is the god of thunderstorms? Baal. More importantly, in terms of the plagues, have we seen strange hail? We have seen strange hail. Just a couple of days ago, the gigantic, these things were enormous, gigantic hail. Maybe the largest hail on record. Huge chunks of hail. Over six inches. Then we look at what else is happening. Locusts. Locusts have been devouring landscapes across Africa and parts of the Middle East for months now. Because of the low demand for meat, chickens are being slaughtered. Milk is being poured out. Eggs are being broken. 
diseased livestock. The death and the suffering, the death of 130 million people, the UN estimates, could die from starvation. Flies would probably gather around those dead bodies. Now, I'm not making this correlation to say that these are biblical plagues taking place. They're not so much biblical as they are natural and scientifically explained. And that's kind of the point. In the 5th century, there was something known as the Plague of Athens. In the 6th century, there was something known as the Plague of Justinian. And in the 14th century, there was a plague that we know as the Black Death, which all of these plagues from Athens to Justinian to the Black Death to the 17th century plague, all of these plagues have very, very similar origins. And it might not be because of the bacterial infection, as is the mainline narrative of where the bubonic, where the black plague came from, the big black bubos. But as a result of heavenly activity, things happening in the sky, comets, alien elements, debris coming towards Earth. And those things that are coming towards Earth perhaps toxify our environment and lead to these plagues. You know, when we watched the Prince of Egypt in school, I went to a Christian school, all those plagues occurred like simultaneously. You know, Moses was like, well, you know, if you're not going to let my people go, you know, I'm going to turn that water into blood over there. You still don't want to let them go? I'm going to release frogs everywhere. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send lice and flies. I'm gonna kill all the, you know, the animals, the livestock. You know, you'll have boils on your skin. There'll be thunder and hail and things raining down from heaven. There'll be locusts to devour the crops to kill everything. There'll be darkness and there'll be the death of the firstborn. All of that, like in the movie, it happens in like you know two, three minutes, like a montage, a plague. It's like a plague montage. In real life, probably didn't happen that way. It probably was a period of time over which these things, if they are, are historically accurate, these things happen, these things transpired. And they don't have to be like literal, like when you think darkness. Well, what does darkness mean? Darkness could mean darkness of information. It could mean darkness as in the sky is, is blacked out, kind of like an eclipse. I've maintained for many years my point of view I am not, by any means, an astronomer. I do not study astronomical history. But I've maintained and I've thought for a long time that the plagues of Egypt and that the Black Death in particular, the 14th century, that this was the cause of heavenly events, that you could say, yeah, it's God. But more importantly, God through scientific observation helps us to understand the world by seeing the patterns and understanding the, the reason why things occur. And during this time period, the 14th century, we had this outbreak of the Black Death, the bubonic plague, spread across Europe. The time frame they give is usually like 1346, 1353, somewhere around there. But there were other things that happened at that time, including in the 1350s, around that time, there was a major 
event that took place. Asteroids. An asteroid struck the Earth. There were also major earthquakes, significant earthquakes, that rocked the planet. Noxious fumes that came up from the Earth, things that came down from the heavens. They invade our bodies, and people get very, very sick. And perhaps the plagues, all of these plagues, could be explained to some degree. And there could be other plagues as well. Think about that. It, why frogs exactly? Well, other things could have. These are the plagues that we, we, we know. These are like ingrained in our, in our memory, if you've studied the Bible or you've heard these stories. But what could account for watered blood or bloody water? Lice, flies, which could mean a lot of dead people. Diseased livestock, boils, could be like cancerous tumors even. Boils, like the skin heats up and it boils. It's really disturbing to think about. Thunder and hail, storms created locusts, darkness, the death of the firstborn. What could explain all this? There is one thing that could explain all of it very scientifically, including the historical plagues. And when we come back from break, I'm going to tell you what that thing is. Some of you already know it. It's known as the destroyer. The destroyer that came. The destroyer that unleashed plagues from heaven and then passed on. The destroyer that is mentioned in the Colburn Bible and the destroyer that may be approaching again. And some might say, well, it's Planet X. Not necessarily. It just could be natural events. And it leads to these kinds of things on Earth. And understanding the past helps us understand the present, helps us understand the future, part of this nonlinear timeline. And on that timeline, significant events and dates sometimes ritualistically carried out to impress energetically upon that time to give it more meaning and purpose and to draw things towards that time of the year like April, the Ides of March, the burning times, Beltane, May Day that we are in at the moment. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this break. Don't go anywhere. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info thesecretteachings.info or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable 
at yahoo.com. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, mythology to alchemy, check out Ryan Gable's book, Occult Arcana, with hundreds of beautiful images. If you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic packs made in the entertainment industry, check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. And if you want a practical look at food, lifestyle, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and order yours today. It supports The Secret Teachings, you, and The Fringe FM. Do you enjoy The Secret Teachings? You now have objective and Fringe FM. Alex X. Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming, five nights a week. Always remember, The Fringe FM is for you, the listener, and we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm, Call the station at 501-777-5631 or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM. This is John B. Wells of Caravan to Midnight, which you can find at caravantomidnight.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Man, what a wonderful show. It, it was one of the best I've had in a long time. And I really appreciate everything, the opportunity to be on your show, but also the competence of you as a interviewer that really helped me. But it's a great show and it's, it was a tremendous experience. This is Stephen Myers, author of Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid and the Great Pyramid Prosperity Machine. And you are listening to The Secret Teachings hosted by Ryan Gable. is the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on the Fringe FM, five nights a week, Monday through Friday. Don't forget you can go to our website. You can check out my books. You can buy those books to support the show, support yourself, and to support the network. A lot of what we're discussing tonight is in the book Occult Arcana, or you can get a free copy of one of those books when you sign up for our subscription-based archive at thesecretteachings.info. That's www.thesecretteachings.info. What we know is the Black Death, the Black Plague, the Bubonic Plague has had various phases over the centuries. In the 5th century, 
in the 6th century, the plague was known as, in the 5th century, the plague of Athens, the 6th century, plague of Justinian, and the 14th century, what we know as the Black Death is recorded. Now, scientists and those who study this type of history, and there are various fields of scientists who study this field of this field of this type of history, whether it's history, like written history, or it's the studying of things like tree rings. There's a professor named Mike Bolly who studied tree ring data from the 14th century, and he wrote a book about this. I think it's called like New Light on the Black Death or something like that. And he talked about a, a corruption of the air and the earth, a corruption of the air and the earth, to, a toxic environment. He talks about how there was a there was a major earthquake recorded in thirteen forty eight. A major earthquake recorded in thirteen forty eight, and after that there were other things that happened, including potential heavenly visitors, asteroids, things that struck the earth. There was a major event around the time of the thirteen fifties that some believe an asteroid struck the earth. And in tree rings and in ice core samples, scientists have found that there was an extremely toxic environment at this time. And likewise, at the time of the 5th century and the 6th century plagues of Athens and Justinian, as they're called. Professor Mike Bali said, quote, There really is enough information about comets, earthquakes, and ammonium to permit the quite serious suggestion that the Black Death was due to an impact by comet debris on the 25th of January, 13. 48, as witnessed by the major earthquake on that day. In other words, the earthquake was caused by the debris from this comet. And he talks about how things like hydrogen sulfide, carbon disulfide, and ammonium, other toxic elements from comets, come to Earth and make people very sick by toxifying our environment, corrupting the air and corrupting the Earth. Now, in the 17th century... In the 1660s, there's a huge outbreak of plague in England, one of the most famous historical events relating to disease, probably. And within a few months prior to that plague, as we officially know it, in 1665, the end of 1664 into 1665, there was a sighting, and this was documented in diaries and observations and novels and things like that, there was a sighting of a comet or what they called a blazing star. And a few months later, after this comet or blazing star, the ice and the debris obviously melting with the close proximity to the sun, and it creates this debris trail. When the Earth passes through it, then you get those strikes of comet debris causing earthquakes, and whatever those comet debris carry to the earth and could infect humans and animals and others and make us very, very sick. Likewise, there are alternate perceptions and points of view on how the quote-unquote dinosaurs died. The dinosaurs didn't die from an asteroid strike, but they died from a disease that the, that the asteroid or the debris from a comet, whatever struck the earth, brought with it disease, a harbinger of death. Much like comets typically signify the end of something, the death of something, the death of a king, 
uh, the death of a world leader. I mean, look now, look at all the asteroids and look at the comets. Look at look at what scientists have been talking about pertaining to things like Apophis and uh, Bennu, these doomsday asteroids or these other asteroids. I don't know if you saw this, but in the last couple of months, there have been large numbers at least from my perception in comparison with with i mean keeping up with this kind of stuff there have been large numbers of asteroids that have that have flown past the earth and th- these typically have signified the death of something the death of a world leader the, the end of a nation the the end, the end times the end of something the end times the end times of something it doesn't mean the whole world is is going to explode but there were um there was an asteroid back in january 2019 YB4. NASA was tracking another massive uh, hazardous asteroid just a few weeks ago, and it just passed the Earth on April 14th, 625 feet in diameter, this was estimated. Then, just a few days ago, asteroid 1998, which was one and a half miles wide, only 3.9 million miles away, pretty close, flew past the Earth. This was like three nights ago. So very recently. And then, of course, there's the Atlas comet that has now disintegrated into two dozen pieces or so. That comet's about 93 million miles, they estimate, away from Earth. So much further away than this asteroid 1998, which is a mile and a half wide. That's that's huge. It's enormous. So you have these asteroids. You have these comets. And they can bring disease to the Earth. They can bring poison and toxins to the Earth, right? And poison and toxins as well as interfering with the atmosphere in other ways, like if debris is striking the ground and if it's big enough, maybe a large part of the, um, of, of, the, of the material from the Earth is blasted into the atmosphere. That alone with, depending on how big or where this object is, maybe it blocks out part of the sun. I'm just giving you kind of a theoretical you know, tiptoe into the idea that the plagues of Egypt were sent by God Except God wasn't the anthropomorphic God. God was more of like a scientific event, if you will. An astronomical event. Water turning to blood. Well, water turning red, which can be done a reddish-orange from sulfur. It can be done from, you know, algae as well. Things like diseased livestock. Livestock could die. Just like humans, the firstborn, the boils from the heat, from the poison, all of this, the animals that died from a toxic environment, from this object coming close to the earth. Locusts, hail, thunder, storms, darkness, all of this descending upon Egypt at the time. Moses calling these down from heaven. But Moses was a Magi. Perhaps Moses as a Magi, perhaps the priests of Egypt. This is what we've always discussed pertaining to priests and magicians. The priestly class controlled Egypt. They told the Pharaoh what to do. We have a new priest class today. They're called technocrats. They tell the president and they tell Congress, and they tell the Senate, and they tell the public what to do and when to do it. The priestly class in these days, just like the technocratic priestly class today, they understood things that the average person did not. So, I don't understand artificial intelligence 
and technology to the degree for which I could build it. Not many people do. But the technocrats, the people that are in charge of the technological advancements or devancements in many ways, material advancements, spiritual devancements, if you will, biological degrading, they build systems and things that are complex. And they, through that complexity, position themselves as gods, or at least as being in tune with gods. They are in contact with God, or whatever they call God, interdimensional aliens, demons that want these technocratic leaders, if you can call them that, they're not leaders, they're technocratic, they're psychopaths, to exterminate and eliminate much of the world's population, but to control much of the world's population through the technology, right? So the priestly class in Egypt that told the pharaoh what to do, they understood things the average person didn't understand. They understood the cycles of nature, the patterns of nature, because they became tuned with them. They had information that others did not. They understood through scientific observation. I'm not saying they had an understanding of things to the level that we may have from observation today with scientific tools, but the basis of their understanding was understanding the patterns of the microcosm and the macrocosm, the understanding of nature, and therefore you could predict when things were going to happen. You give us what we want, or we will black out the sky. We will bring locusts to this region. We will bring plague. You know, there are stories I've read about snakes, snake charmers being able to use pressure points on a snake to render the snake erect and paralyzed temporarily. Now, just play along with me here. If you had a snake like that, or you had some magic up your sleeve, you could turn a staff into a serpent by releasing those pressure points, could you not? That's science, isn't it? Maybe Moses was a scientist. Maybe Moses was a magi. Maybe Moses understood that something was coming to earth. And if you don't let my people go, I will bring this hell upon you. I'm not saying this definitively. I'm just saying that think of the idea. Because, like Arthur C. Clarke said, any technology sufficiently advanced you know, to some people, is indistinguishable from magic. Understanding technological capacity, understanding the laws of nature, it's indistinguishable from magic. Turning water to blood, lice, flies, livestock, boils, thunder and hail, locusts, all these things brought upon Egypt, brought upon the whole world by a heavenly phenomenon. What historically, in some text, is referred to as the destroyer. There's a whole book written about this with texts from Egypt and Celtic texts. It's called the Colburn Bible. And it tells a very similar story of the Bible as we know it. And there's a section in it, the Book of Manuscripts, Chapter 4, where they talk about this object called the destroyer. And if you read this thing... We've done shows where we talked about the Destroyer before. But if you read this thing, the Destroyer 
kind of sounds like some heavenly event that caused the plagues of Egypt. I'll read you a little bit of this. I've got a copy of the Colburn Bible here. I've, got, I've had these segments of this Bible. This is actually the reason I bought this thing like 12, it was 11, not 12 years ago. I was in high school 12 years ago. So like 10, 11 years ago, I bought this like right out of high school. And um, I never really gave it much reading until somewhat recently. But if you read this, you go to the section about the destroyer, it talks about the biblical plagues of Egypt, but it talks about them without referring to them like like that as plagues and, um, you know, as the biblical story goes, and without really talking about this from the... um, the biblical context, it's more, it, it kind of struck me as like a scientific explanation, but that's not what the text really is. It was more of, it is scientific in terms of observation, but it's just observation. So it says this about the destroyer. Men forget the days of the, of the destroyer. We forget the days of the destroyer. We, maybe we remember them with, you know, history in the Bible, but we forget these days. The text says, it raged across the heavens in the days of wrath. It was a billowing cloud of smoke and wrapped in a ruddy glow not distinguishable in joint or limb. Its mouth was an abyss from which came flame, smoke, and hot cinders. You could call this a dragon, the tail of a comet, the tail of the dragon, the body of the dragon. Just like we anthropomorphize stars into animals or insects or humans, we call astrology and the zodiac wheel, the animal wheel, zodiac, Sanskrit for animal, We do the same with comets and asteroids. They are dragons. We apply to them an understanding that at the time was maybe more applicable, but we also do that to this day. We just don't do it so so literally. We don't look and say, hey, look, there's a dragon, but it represents kind of a dragon. It represents, you know, it it brings destruction, so it's called, they call it the destroyer, but they explain it like what some might refer to as a dragon or more, more importantly, more scientifically speaking, what's referred to as an asteroid or a comet. It says in the Colburn Bible, when ages pass, certain laws operate upon the stars and heavens. Their ways change. There is movement and restlessness. They are no longer constant, and a great light appears redly in the skies. The mechanisms of the heavens are being described. The cycles, the orbits of objects The ways change, there's movement, there's restlessness, nothing is stopping, things are rotating, things are moving. It says, when blood drops upon the earth, the destroyer will appear, and mountains will open up and belch forth fire and ashes. Well, the mountains don't just, like, open up. It's a volcanic eruption. The gravitational pull of a large object or some form of major cataclysm on earth causes earthquakes, could cause... The pollution of water, water turning to blood, the earthquakes that release noxious fumes, people die as a result of that, people get very sick, like with the comet in England in the 17th century, as well as in the 14th century, the Black Plague as we know it, the Black Death. Trees will be destroyed and all living things engulfed, waters will be swallowed up by the land and seas will boil. Some kind of intense heat. Something is approaching the earth. Something is about to strike the earth. Something is striking the earth. Debris of something is hitting the earth. And the oceans are boiling. The land is swallowed up by water and water by land. There's a swish, swash, back and forth. 
tidal waves, tsunamis, something is striking, perhaps in various places, lots of debris coming off of this destroyer, this object in the heavens. The heavens will burn brightly and redly. There will be a copper hue over the face of the land, followed by a day of darkness. A new moon will appear and break up and fall. The new moon is probably the comet, probably parts of the comet. It falls like a falling star to the earth, followed by a day of darkness. That day of darkness, of course, is, well, darkness, one of the plagues of Egypt. The people will scatter in madness. They will hear the trumpet and battle cry of the destroyer. It's not a real trumpet, obviously. It's the sound of the, of the destruction. They will see the death brought about by the destroyer and will seek refuge within the dens of the earth. Terror will eat away their hearts and their courage will flow from them like water from a broken pitcher. They will be eaten up in the flames of wrath and consumed by the breath of the destroyer. The breath of the destroyer, as it says in the text, out of the mouth Out of the abyss came flames, smoke, and hot cinders. Probably would cause very serious pain, death, maybe boils on the skin. The times of its coming and going are known unto the wise. Your wise men, your magi, Moses. How about that? These are the signs and times which shall precede the destroyer's return. So they're talking about, as they referred to earlier, certain laws that operate upon the stars and the heavens. Understanding those laws, the scientific observation and understanding of which, will enable one to predict the return. We do that with computer modeling and things like that today, but they were able to do it in arguably a more sophisticated way without the technological applications we have today. A hundred and ten generations shall pass into the west, and nations will rise and fall. Men will fly in the air as birds and swim in the seas as fishes. Men will talk peace one with another. Hypocrisy and deceit shall have their day. Women will be as men and men as women. Passion will be playful or a plaything of man. Well, that probably could be relevant to any generation. But a lot of you probably recognize the men, women, women, men. That kind of sounds like what's going on today, though, doesn't it? A little bit. Men will fly in the air as birds. This is one of the most fascinating texts I've ever read. A lot of people don't agree with this. And I'm not saying I hold it to be dear. I'm just saying this is a really interesting text. Kind of sounds like plagues of Egypt and something responsible for them. The text goes on. It will be a vast sky-spanning form and wrapping earth, burning with many hues within wide-open mouths. These will descend to sweep across the face of the land, engulfing all in its yawning jaws. The greatest warriors will challenge it against, or challenge against it, or charge against it, in vain. The fangs will fall out, and lo, they are terror-inspiring things of cold-hearted water. Great boulders will be hurled down upon men, crushing them into red powder. More debris, I'd imagine. The destroyer, or what the Egyptians called the doom shape, was seen in all the lands thereabouts. All the land, not just in Egypt. Its movement on high, or movements on high, were slow. Below it swirled in a manner of smoke, and it remained close to the sun whose face hid it. So it comes out from behind the sun. Now, there is really, really 
fascinating descriptions of what this thing did from the thick clouds and the hell. Thick clouds of fiery smoke passed, and there was an awful hell of hot stones and coals of fire, just like the plagues of Egypt. Dust and smoke clouds darkened the sky, so there's the darkness. The waters upon which they fell were plagued with a bloody hue. There's your water turning to blood. The water was vile, and men's stomachs shrank from drinking it. Those who did drink from the water vomited it up, for it was polluted. It's polluted from this heavenly event. All the tame beasts whimpering, and the land was filled with the cries of sheep and moans of cattle, the livestock dying. The face of the land was battered and devastated by a hail of stones which smashed down all that stood in the path of the torrent. They swept down in hot showers, and strange flowing fire ran along the ground in their wake. Insects and reptiles sprang up from the earth in huge numbers. Great gusts of wind brought swarms of locusts which covered the sky. There are your locusts. The gloom of a long night spread a dark mantle of blackness which extinguished every ray of light. None knew when it was day and when it was night, for the sun cast no shadow. And men having their firstborn child, women having their firstborn child, the firstborn dying, the firstborn, maybe the comet, the asteroid, this heavenly event could also be responsible for that. I always wondered, well, how could that cause the firstborn? How could that cause the the seed of man to die? And then, if you read in the Colburn Bible, it explains it. It says, pregnant women miscarried and the seed of man was stopped. The only other thing in this text that I find really interesting is that everything described is is representative of the plagues of Egypt, and it's done so in a scientific way as opposed to kind of like a symbolic or magical way, if you will. But it says that it was a fearsome sight, and it was not a great comet or a lucid star, being more like a fiery body of flame. I thought about that, and I'm wondering, maybe that's because the object was engulfed in flames. What they could see did not look like a typical comet, which was often seen at a distance, not close up. I've thought of a lot of different ways to to consider that. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. You could email me at rdgable at yahoo.com. Chapter 5, Part 3 of the Destroyer in the Colburn Bible. They said it was not a comet. It was not an asteroid. But then I was wondering how they defined those things in those times and when this text was written. I just find that very, very fascinating because it kind of explains those plagues of Egypt. It kind of explains what we're experiencing now with all these asteroids and comets and with various fragments, if you will, of the biblical plagues being carried out individually but somewhat simultaneously. So from plagues to to asteroids to comets to the history of plague perhaps being brought about by these messengers of, these harbingers of death and fire, heavenly events. And 
during this time, May 1st, April 30th, the month of April, and, and happening after Passover, after the, after the Exodus, we have the burning season. And the burning season, Beltane, or Beltane, the Beltane Festival, May Day, it's a fertility festival. I think it shows the cycle of life and the cycle of nature in that though the destroyer destroys things, even the firstborn, children in the womb, new life springs about afterwards because through destruction, through death, also makes way for life. Now that's part of the natural cycle, just like these holidays or holy days are part of a natural cycle, and some use them to honor, to worship, and respect, and veneration of nature, and others use them to impress negative, dark, energetic streams of intention into the earth and into certain locations on certain days. They do that to cause harm. They do it malevolently. Others do it bonevolently. They do it in a way that they believe is beneficial to them and to the planet because they want to tune themselves to the planet, not hijack the energy of the planet, the energy, the soul, the spirit, and use it for selfish reasons. So when we look at the holidays and the holy days from this perspective, we realize, or at least I, I, I see it from this point of view, that the reason they're called holy days is because they are days that are very holy in terms of what they represent. The tuning of oneself to nature, and not just nature in the sense of like hippies and uh, you know the New Age people and environmentalists. I'm talking about really understanding nature, really understanding the sympathetic nature of things. The concept of as above, so below. The fire that we burn during Beltane that we know doesn't literally, but in some energetic, sympathetic, natural way, supports and venerates the macro fire, the sun which brings us warmth and light, which brings us the rays of the sun that penetrate the earth that give way to new life. And so these festivals are fertility festivals. And if if you're using the fertility festival for, you know, just animalistic sex, if that's the intention of going to some festival, I, I personally don't consider that to be sacred or holy. That's my opinion. But the nature of these festivals is to promote, honor, respect, remember. All of these words are applicable to do these things for life. It's not about darkness and death and destruction and hatred and being a cool atheist or something like that or a Satanist. It's about supporting life, whether that's a tree, some form of foliage like Christmas or Beltane. We bring these things into our house or Honoring dead relatives, loved ones with food that's left out like Halloween or Beltane. Or the way that we dress, the way that we conduct ourselves, what we celebrate, how we celebrate it. Tuning ourselves with with nature, with the cycles of nature, bring us to a better understanding of what that moment when you consciously think, what's this all about? That moment doesn't have to happen. That We don't have to think, what is this all about? We understand it. It's not something we can 
we can define in terms of, of, of definition. It's something that we have to understand through experience and through realization, which is the resurrection, that is being born again. That's why I surround myself in my studio with all of the with all of these symbols and books and because it it energetically supports my my consciousness I would I would suggest supports your consciousness and I'm not saying that in some new age hippy dippy way I'm saying that in the sense of like we'll go back to the story of Marduk the story of Marduk the chief god of Mesopotamia chief god of Babylon the national god of Babylonia he was known as Bel which means Lord, Bel, Baal, Baal's the first king of hell. And his story is told in the Enuma Elish. Enuma Elish, the story of creation. It means when on high, on high. So if you apply that mythology and you apply that history to the present day and to what we've done so many times here in the Secret Teachings, to a musician like Billie Eilish, well, what does her name mean? It literally means the first king of hell, or the lord of hell, on high. And so when you connect these proverbial dots, the whole world starts to make a lot more sense. Whether it's Beltane, or it's the music industry, or it's May Day, the burning days, the burning times, fertility, sex, fire. All of it comes together, and we realize, oh, that is what it means. It makes a lot more sense now. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. www.thesecretteachings.info $35 gets you a one-year subscription. So you can download and stream every episode of the show after it airs. You also get a free copy of one of my books, Occult Arcana, The Technological Elixir, or Food Philosophy. I'd recommend Occult Arcana because so much of what we talked about tonight is in that book. $35 is the cost of the book. Normally, just that book, but you get a whole one-year subscription. $35 that supports you, The Secret Teachings, and The Fringe FM. TheFringe.FM. The Secret Teachings airs five nights a week, Monday through Friday. Check it out. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned to The Fringe FM. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Stay safe. Stay informed. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, Check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info. Or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com. <laughs>